Andy told me about oh, so uh, in San Diego. It, uh, Wait, well, I'm, I'm going to do an interruption. Oh, you're going to do you, an interruption? Yeah, I was doing an interruption. Oh, I was trying to. Yeah. Oh, oh. Can somebody do some heavy breathing? <laughs> 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 Welcome to Infill, where we talk normally San Francisco local politics and policy. But today, I don't know if you can hear that this is a very professional sounding <laughs> audio, but we are in a studio down in San Diego uh, recording with some Yimbies from around the state. Um, so I'm Laura Clark. I'm Sam Moss. And special guests Maya Rosas from San Diego, Elizabeth Hansberg from Orange County, and Brandon Whalen from Orange County. So I'm just, like, really excited. I'm trying to keep it together a little bit, but um, it's just, like, really thrilling to be seeing this movement grow uh, statewide. I mean, and nationally as well. Um, But last night, or two nights ago it was now, um, Maya had a giant launch party for the San Diego Democrats. Yimby, say it for us. (laughs) The Yimby Democrats of San Diego County. And it was like a huge party. You had a whole bunch of elected officials there, and it was like freaking phenomenal. Yeah, well um, done. Well done. Yeah, so talk to us about how you threw a great party. Well, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I guess I'm, I'll, I'll backtrack a little bit. Um, really, less than a month and a half ago, I had this idea for, you know, starting a Yimby Democratic Club. Like, I want to endorse candidates as a Yimby. I don't want to leave it to all the other clubs to do it. Right. So started thinking, brainstorming, like, oh, wow, that's actually a decent idea. Um, figuring out how to get chartered. So started going along that process. Realized that the state Democratic Convention is this weekend and that that actually might be doable to do a launch party. So put it together um, with help of um, an e-board that I now have and an organizing committee that we put together and um, a lot of help just reaching out to the electeds in San Diego County who like actually embraced it. They were really looking forward to this and so we put together a list of uh, honorary co-hosts. I I had this huge piece of paper that I had to read at the launch party because I couldn't memorize all of them ranging from like House of Representatives how do you say that? Scott Peters? <laughs> um, Congressman. Congressman. Congressman? Okay. I should have known that beforehand. <laughs> Congressman Scott Peters. Um, to local city council members, of course, we had uh, my assembly member, Todd Gloria, and uh, state senator, Scott Weiner. Um, and so we put this together, and I think people realize that this is a, a, this is a real thing, this, like, Yimby Democratic Club. We're going to do really, really great things. And so we got a huge turnout. Oh my God, it was yeah, huge. Yeah, you know, the pictures on Twitter were. Laura was were crying. Awesome. <laughs> it was awesome. We just, just a little. <laughs> after how many? Just a few. And you guys had even had a little protest. I was so excited. When you I know mean, you've made it. <laughs> yes. Exactly. You had like three protesters. Oh. And I was like, oh. And the protesters were really nice. <laughs> and they we had like thoughtful conversations. I was just like, no one protests you if you're doing something that no one cares about. And it was just like the whole thing was just so exciting. And you know it's a good party because they stuck around afterwards. Yeah, they drank they your did, booze. Yes. <laughs> they, they were just hanging out. 
I wish I'd gotten a picture of them just like chatting with people after the fact <laughs> to just be able to tweet that. You all are so civilized down here. <laughs> I know. I was like, oh. Yeah, I didn't know what to make of it. Everyone's being nice to each other. But people kept, I think somebody was like worried that Scott was going to be upset. And Scott was like, I mean, we're from San Francisco where like the protests are like spit in your face protests. Yeah. yeah. And the San Diego protesters were like, they, they came up, they shook hands, they like said hello. I was like, this is lovely. Like in, this is the kind of hostile discourse that I want to see every day. It was like so, and they had thoughtful commentary. Oh, anyway, but we don't have to talk about the protests <laughs> as much, but the whole party was lovely and just really exciting to be around people who are like, getting start. I mean, you guys just launched so freaking fast. You had like, I don't know, a hundred people at that party. It was epic. Oh yeah. It was, it was over a hundred people with people coming in and out and we did not plan enough alcohol for a hundred people. <laughs> so I apologize to everyone who was no, there. That's a good but problem to have. Exactly. You'll, you'll get there. These are the things you learn when you throw Yimby parties over and over <laughs> properly Yimby's estimating alcohol consumption. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I, I feel like that party was like everything that is Marin's nightmare. You know, you, I mean, you put it together in a month, right? And then you, people stayed. I mean, truly, I mean, to San Diego is, I mean, I've noticed a lot of, there's infill development here, I'm, I'm noticing it, but it's still relatively new to the densification that, you know, will be all of California eventually. And I just, I'm talking to you, Mark Levine. We're coming. <laughs> So let's hear from like, okay, so Orange County is the people who, people come up to me and they're like, well, how big is this Yimby thing? Like, you say you've got people statewide, but like, mm, I'm skeptical. And then I'll be like, we even have Yimbys in Orange County. And they'll be like, shut up. And I'm like, absolutely not. So uh, Elizabeth and Brandon, like, talk about being Yimbys in Orange County. Is it fun or is it a little difficult? I'd say the biggest challenge is that we have 34 cities in Orange County and um, all of the local elected officials think that we need more development on the other side of the city line. So there's... there's (laughs) Yes in your backyard. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, So I would say that's, you know, we've taken sort of a hyper-local approach, realizing that electeds really need to hear from people in their own uh, jurisdictions. So we started a year ago. I launched it a year ago and have gathered folks in my city, which is Fullerton, where I live, and I run the group for Fullerton. And then we have um, three other chapters in three other cities in Orange County, and each of those has their own, we call them the coordinator, but it's a resident of that city who believes in Yimby. And we are trying to, you know, put people in every city. There's obviously some cities that are, you know, more well suited to this than others. I mean, Fullerton is the most heavily used train station in Orange County. So we're the poster child for where density should go downtown near our train station. Um, I'm really excited about SB 827. I think it could do great things for our city. So besides the fact that we have a very kind of fragmented land use policy, because we just have 34 different bodies making rules, um, you know, it has been, um, you know, I mean, it, the Orange County was founded as suburbia, right? I mean, so it still mm-hmm. very much conceives of itself as suburbia. And there are a lot of folks that are really resistant to the idea of an urbanizing suburbia. And, you know, what does that look like? And, you know, how does that change, you know, my city? Um, I think, especially probably being an LA suburb, we still really have an identity as low density. I mean, LA has a low density identity. Um, and that definitely has transferred to Orange County. And so 
you I mean you could be building I think uh you know the most deserving thing you could I mean people come out against senior housing for it being mm-hmm. too yeah. too tall um <laughs> I think you could be you know building a an orphanage for w- orphans from war-torn countries and people would still object if it was too tall well shadows are way worse than helping orphans I, I, I mean that's that's kind of an exaggerated <laughs> example but I'm just saying no, like, but not I really mean, no no even yeah, I mean San Francisco you think like it's like supposed to be really liberal and people are like I support affordable housing but have you thought about the scale of this project and people just know. cut four floors off of a homeless senior housing because yeah. of shadow yeah. what I don't understand is how people don't understand how the math works I mean you know where we are developers can't do anything low density I mean or you know I mean low density for us would be like you know two stories right, right. one story we'd like to see five stories Ooh. Yeah, exactly. Right? <laughs> um, you know, in Orange County, you know, the land is so expensive that a developer can't make the pro forma work if they don't get right, more right. units per acre. And to the average person who's showing up at a city council meeting to say, no, I don't want this. You know, it's too tall. It's too dense. It doesn't fit with the character of my community. And I'm using air quotes there. Um, they don't get it. They don't understand how the land economics works. Um, and that is... Well, they don't care, too. I mean, they like it the way it is. It's I, I think like not to, not to understand, to just keep it emotional. Yeah, I mean, I definitely see people making these decisions based on nostalgia a lot. And we need to get people who, okay. you know, suburbia, right? Like, the entire idea... I don't feel warm and fuzzy for suburbia. I think, like, our generation actually kind of, like, watched a lot of movies in the 80s where everyone got murdered in the suburbs, and we're like, no, actually, cool, we don't really want that. And, like, town is a thing, is a word we lost, right? Like, Orange County could be a dense, vibrant, walkable town, but we don't have towns. We have sprawling suburbs. Or, like, super dense cities. Or super dense cities, yeah. And, like, I think it would be easier if people, like, wanted their... You know their suburbs to become towns. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know, but then I was told by a a developer who caters to uh, millennials, which was like a very like he was like trying to be like hip with the kids, and I it was really <laughs> I was like please stop talking. <laughs> um, but he he was branding it not as towns but as. Um, Oh, God, he had some horrible word that was, like, suburban. And I was like, don't try that. That is terrible. <laughs> that is um, a, you bring up a good point, though, especially on train lines with 827. Um, Laura and I recorded a podcast with somebody who called a 85-foot building a skyscraper uh, last <laughs> week. And, you know, I think uh, it's taken a long time, but there are a couple on the BART. The BART is the train up in San Francisco. And it's taken a long time, but there are a couple towns who are at least accepting 65 to 85-foot buildings, you know, within walking distance to the train in the downtown area. And it's still, like, a 10-minute walk to the next actual house if you leave, like, Main Street. (laughs) But still, like, I'm at this point willing to take the moral victory, you know, where we can. But if everybody along every train line let 85-foot buildings happen, that would end up being a lot of units that wouldn't ruin the world. It would be enough. I mean, at least it would be a good start. It would dent. (laughs) <laughs> and then people yeah. would find that they like those communities right. and exactly. they have vibrant the, resta- yeah, retail. The retail works, right? right. Nobody's right. going right. out of business all the time. And right. there's it's a historic downtown. It was built for that. You know, the what was the developer? Amridge and... Uh, Amridge Brothers, yeah. Amridge there was Brothers. A, it was a, when Fullerton was founded, it was total rail speculators. They bought all this land and then they convinced the guy who was laying out the Santa Fe Railway to stop on their land, to put the, to right. put the stop Very on their nice. land. Nice. And so they, he wanted it. 
That's like, oh, that's like a lovely, like, old, like, when trains were good. Right. The uh. original intent of neighborhood character. Well, yeah. the, the right. train, I mean, the city is named after the guy who worked for the railroad. His name, I don't remember his first name, his last name was Fullerton. So that, yeah. the yeah. Amherst Brothers named it after the guy. So it has a lot of potential, the downtown. I also live in Fullerton. And um, and just seeing the, the sense of community engagement and going up to, I think that's the biggest thing about this movement for me is that as a recent college grad, like, I want to, um, you know, I want to live in the communities that I grew up in, and um, going up to city council and giving an opposing view to the NIMBYs that go through the um, the back of the line and out through the door and in the lobby, you know, like, <laughs> it, it's a ton of people. Um, it's nice to, like, stand up for a future because, I mean, just as we just said, like the the downtown has the potential, and it was built for that. Um, yeah, I say a joke that we need all the hopey changey stuff, but like actually, I feel very earnestly that like you know, there's a reason. I don't know. Maybe I'm also feeling very warm and fuzzy from the Democratic convention, um, where there was a lot of like generic talk about hope and change. Um, <laughs> but. Uh, but, you know, that kind of message that um, that we need to, like, build communities and, like, that there's something wonderful and forward-looking about that um, that feels very hopeful. And it feels like a lot of the time our opposition, um, especially in places that think of themselves as suburbia, you know, is very backwards-looking. And, and I... Right, right. I'm, yeah. a, I'm a resident of 20-plus years, and, you know, I have more stake mm-hmm. in the community than you do. Right. And I'm like, I'm going to live here longer than you. Right. So like, right. I'm like, well, shoot. <laughs> I've got more years ahead of me, but I don't say that. That's rude. So, But I have to say, though, being like the minority, even if it's just you're one out of 10 or 100 people, it makes such a difference. And you Showing just, up, is, it makes a big difference. All about showing up. Like I was on my community planning group, Uptown Planners, which is just just north of downtown San Diego. Uh, you know, historic suburban ring with the uh, no longer existing, uh, you know, uh, trolley line through it. And Oh, that's so sad. <laughs> yeah, it is very sad. <laughs> we're but taking it away from There's you. six bus lines, and it's right next to downtown and all this stuff. And anyways, I have many stories I could share, but what you reminded me of is um, that at, at these meetings I would go to where I was by far the youngest board member of this planning group. Um, Like everyone, whether they were on the board or they were speaking in public comment, they'd say, I'm a 17-year resident. I'm a blah-year resident. Whatever. And so after several months, I I just had to speak up. And so I said, look, guys, like... Can can we just move on from saying how many years you've lived here? Can we all just say it's that my we're biggest pet peeve? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, I I, so I, I just I had this moment where I was like, can we all just act like we're equals? We all live right. here, please. Like, I, and and do you need me to start saying that? Well, I'm going to be the one living here for 50 years, and you're not. Do you want me to start saying that? And and actually, it changed things. Like, it did not change votes, but it did change what people's attitudes on so the board. Nice in San Diego? Yeah, this it's is weird. Awesome. <laughs> This is making me very uncomfortable. Yeah, like, you said something and then people heard you and then they changed their behavior. That is not I mean, how politics I, is supposed to work. I've been going around <laughs> asking people how long I have to live in San Francisco to get my locals card. And at this point, it's oh not even God. ironic. Like everyone is just <laughs> accepting that it's a question that needs to be answered. Oh, my God. I want to share a comment I made. So we were supporting a project and everyone was, of course, complaining about traffic. And, you know, everyone who was there was, you know, 
well over 55 that was complaining. And I, my comment at the podium was, you know, we have a housing shortage. We need this housing. This is a good project. It's well designed. And, you know, all the people, and, you know, oh, no, I'm sorry. It wasn't a new project. It was a rezone, right? So it takes 20 years to build out a rezone. And I made the comment. I said this out loud. It's on tape. You know, the folks that are here complaining about the densification of this zone are not going to be driving by the time it, this thing gets built out. <laughs> I mean, really, they're not. They're here. They're complaining about it. But the reality is it takes 20 years to build out, you know, a zone change. And the folks that are, you know, are not going to be driving. So in some ways, you know, I'm the one that's going to be driving. So I, I can handle it. I don't mind. You know, if it gives other people a place to live, I'm good with sitting through another light cycle. Oh, that's that's so critical. I, that's hilarious. There was a uh, Brisbane hearing um, where I said, so, the, you know, we're up at the, the all of the panel people making the decision. I think it was their planning commission. Um, were also quite older um, and all of the Brisbane residents who had come out opposed to the project were uh, quite older and then you had you know Yimbies which were also a lot of San Francisco people so there was the like insider outsider dynamic on top Brisbane's of like the, right on the border of San Francisco yeah. it's, it, it might as well be San Francisco it's very close yes one of our supervisors in San Francisco threatened to annex Brisbane if they didn't build the housing so that was pretty funny <laughs> Uh, but uh, it was a total empty thread, but whatever. Um, but, uh, you know, so there was this insider-outsider and also intergenerational sort of conversation happening. And I got up there, and I, and I tried to do sort of the mix of, like, Hopi, Changey, and generational warfare, which is um, you, your kids cannot afford to live here. You are creating a system by which your kids are never going to be able to take advantage of all of the opportunities that are here, all of the amazing community that you think you're protecting, and you are never going to see your grandchild take their first step. You are never going to see them laugh, right? And the woman up on the podium clutched her heart and gasped. That's awesome. <laughs> well, you, know, I you spoke her language, man. You found her currency. My grandchild. <laughs> and I was like, that's right. That's, I mean, you and the heartstrings right there. You bring, you, you bring up, that's a good point, though. Like, as the, as the MB, as the movement matures, I find that we're like hammering down on some specific ways to go about doing everything, whether it be like how to properly buy the right amount of alcohol right. <laughs> or, you know, how to, talk, you know, uh, how much, if you need a mic or not or the space, but also the same thing happened at the, I'm, I'm actually participating in a 20 year build out of a master plan rezone. And, you know, we were on our 25th of probably 50 some odd community meetings before ground is even broken. And, you know, we've been, there's, it's the same 25, 30 older people who don't want the development. And one of, a Yimby got up, a, you know, relatively young Yimby, and he said, like, I'm your grandkid. I'm your kid. Like, I don't know where I'm going to live. Where am I going to live? I'm not going to live by you. And finally, after 25 community meetings, a couple of the older people got back in line, and they're like, he makes a pretty good point. I think we should start listening. And it was, it was just like, pfft, like my mind was blown. But it's taken the years of getting yelled at to get to this point. For sure. Yeah. I mean, I think also there's other, like, best practices stuff. I was talking to somebody um, who was trying to start a club um, somewhere on the East Coast. And uh, I, he was like, you know, I don't, you know, coming up with ideas or whatever. And I was like, yeah, you have to have in-person meetups. And he was like, oh, in-person meetups. And I was like, 
Yes, yeah, you definitely need to have <laughs> meetings, like where you and, and drinking is important. But like, but just you know, meeting and forming community, like mm-hmm. that. Actually, mm-hmm. the most important thing that you're doing. Somebody comes out once because they're angry. They come out twice because you guilt tripped them and they felt like it was important. Uh, but they come out over and over and over again because they feel like they've joined a community and they're doing something that matters and right. that they're with a community of people who are like dedicated to making change. And that kind of like community building is. I think the most important thing that any EMB organizer can do. Brent Gaysford uh, from Abundant Housing LA was the person who really coached me through starting this in the in the early <coughs> months, um, and he still takes my calls, so I might didn't wear out my welcome. <laughs> um, he told me that you know on the Tuesday night when people don't want to get to the mic, right? There's something else going on. They're tired. Mm-hmm. They don't feel like coming. What's going to get them out is not necessarily, you know, that project. It's going to be the relationships that they formed with the people in the tribe, you know, if we can talk about it as a EMB tribe. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that's really, you know, so you have to make the investment in building that community. Dude, I'd, I'd like to circle back to what Maya said. So you've had, you had a lot of, pol- you had a lot of politicians that were important and in support. Of, that was really awesome. Uh, truly. Uh, well done. Um, have you had any of the opposite happened? Have you had any politicians that were like, leave, you Yimby devil? <laughs> <laughs> no, actually. It's... Uh, <laughs> at least not directly not to, to me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this, this whole thing, like how well the Yimby Democrats has been received has just blown me away. It was not what I was expecting. I thought I was going to be spending... I mean, it's just started... I, you right. know, people showed up to a party, like they get to make a speech. So I don't, I don't know if like the the real long-term commitment but my idea in the beginning was I was going to spend the first like year and a half Mm -hmm. like just building a base that they could start feeling comfortable that there is Mm -hmm. like they they have an affinity group that supports them on these issues and well so now politicians are already showing up and that's just fantastic and and I still think it's key to build this base and just make it stronger and stronger but um I mean I think we're basically ugh, this. This is going to sound dorky, but like we're all you know supply and demand. Like there, there was a demand for this to exist, for there to be a space for right. Yimbies, and it just filled a vacuum. Like you know, I, I'm 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 not like an organizer or like that popular or anything. That was way <laughs> more people than I could have brought out just like from me asking people I to show up. So we should all think that way because like. You know, I, I, we're riding a wave. Exactly. Like, this is happening. This is, like, a huge movement. People have been waiting for this message for us. And we get the, like, opportunity to ride the wave. And we get the opportunity to be the people who are, um, you know, setting messaging and making sure we're doing it right and making sure we're doing it effectively and making sure we're doing politics, you know, leveraging all of these assets to like the best ability that we can to make progress as fast as we can. But the wave is there, whether we're there or not. And so like being very humble about like how lucky you are to be where we are and, and, and making everybody who joins feel that that's the experience too. like come be a part of this epic thing that is happening. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, I like uh, my favorite thing that's finally getting pushed back is the old homeowner who says that the young people speaking won't even be here anyway because they're going to have to move out of the city oh, that's to dark. have a family. And like finally there's enough people being like, or we could stay and make the city better for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
No, my early on uh, older homeowner said, you know, your generation just doesn't have the dedication to really engage with these meetings. <laughs> and I was like, Ooh. you mean there's a structural disadvantage to my entire generation being able to engage with this process? Like, I, I, I was, I actually, I did. Now I would say that coherently, but like at the time, I just spluttered and started like being like, ah. <laughs> yeah, but I don't know. Do you want to do a horror story? Um, so I've got, I've got, I've got so one many good one. I, this one I put on Twitter cause it was just that good. Um, this was for senior housing and it was going to be a three story building Ooh. and it was going on, uh, an, a shopping center lot that had been vacant for, you know, the 12 years I've lived in Fullerton. It had been shut down for at least eight. Um, there was nothing there and, it backed to a single-family subdivision of probably homes between eight hundred thousand and a million dollars, and a woman got up at the microphone and the they were fighting not to not have it, but to have it only be two stories. And the developer said, "You know, I can't make this work at two stories given the price of the land." And a woman got up there and said, "Please don't make this building three stories because it's going to cast a shadow on my roof." And I was planning to get solar panels. <laughs> That that one that one was, I, yeah. I I didn't understand how. I mean, she hadn't done it yet. You know, how long do we have to wait for well, you to decide whether or not you're going to get your solar panels? She I mean, I'm really worried post. about this. Yeah. No, the solar panel thing is actually like I think like as far as like future Yimby issues, we're going to have to increasingly worry about. It is this like fake green solar panel thing where like we all know that like we're not going to solve global warming with like three people getting solar panels. I mean, I'm pro getting solar panels, but especially like San Francisco, we got a lot of fog. Like it's not like the most efficient place to put our solar panels. Um, and it's much more environmentally friendly to be building dense, walkable communities. Like, how, you know, the green effect of bringing 30 families into the city and getting them to give up their cars is way bigger than your two solar panels. And, and the new building we, will have solar panels. It could on top, and then those will get cast a shadow on by the next <laughs> new building over there, and we'll move the solar panels. I don't know, you know, or put them out in the desert. Like I don't, I mean, like that's where the solar panels are supposed to go is in places where there's a lot of sun, and like that's not really where San your, Francisco's your, at. Your NorCal, your NorCal roots are showing. Yeah. Oh yeah, you guys have sun. We have sun. We have lots oh. of sun. Yeah, it's sunny, like you know, three hundred and you know, fifty-five days. But of the whole, the, year. the yeah. whole faux environmentalist or I know I, th I feel like that's being talked about a lot like environmentalism in the 60s and 70s was all about stopping stuff and you know that's changing now and preservation preservation yeah. and but it's it's like one, yet one more thing that older homeowners that don't want dense housing like they there's all these ways they can say they don't want something that still makes them feel good about themselves right. Right. and and lets them not look at the fact that they're literally saying someone doesn't deserve a home next to them as much as they do there was a noe valley project where the solar panel thing came up and uh the person who wanted to build the three-story <laughs> two-unit building next door um did the math and figured out that the homeowner who had the solar panels tree actually cast a greater shadow on their <laughs> solar panel and so, like, proposed to the homeowner that they cut down their tree, like, sort of as a joke, fuck you. But I thought that was very funny to be like, you know, your tree is actually what's keeping you from getting maximal solar. Yeah, I don't that's know. great. That's great. <laughs> yeah. Well, to out myself, um, 
I'm I'm older than you guys. Um, I'm Gen X. I'm not a millennial. Um, and I you're still welcome. Oh, in thank the you. Group. Um, I actually am a homeowner. Um, oh yeah, I, yeah. And the it's a single fantastic. family homeowner, oh, yeah. and I have solar panels. Oh, nailed. Oh, I know. That's right. I, yeah. I'm, but remember where I come from, right? It's Orange. Well, I'm actually not from there. That's um, right. So, so long as you right. will still vote for the shadows. Oh, you're, like, you're, the the I, I, you're the worst. I am. You're like the traitor. But 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 I. Well, I, if I'm a traitor, I'm a traitor to you know, the uh, the people invested in keeping it the same because yeah. I yeah. I want to see it different. I mean, I I do not have a problem with the zone change because it takes 20 years to change. Uh, and uh, like we, uh, Andy, full disclosure, uh, thank you, Andy Keats, by the way, for hosting this podcast. Uh, I've known Andy for a good long while. Andy drove me around because we went to see Black Panther yesterday while you were all voting and like doing adult things. <laughs> um, but uh, he drove me around some parts of San Diego and where there's dense buildings coming up and things like that. But I noticed a lot of like shopping malls that don't look like they're doing very well. And the ir- irony of all of this is that like these single family detached home neighborhoods also argued against any vibrancy that ever could have happened. It's that's really interesting that that there was a development also in Fullerton um, center of my universe <laughs> where uh, it was a vacant car lot. Okay. It was a vacant car lot <laughs> that literally was crumbling. The asphalt was like disintegrating. <laughs> and uh, people came out to say that they did not want uh, this this apartment building that was, I think at the time it was like 300 units. Um, and it was between three, I think it was between three and four stories different. They kind of had articulated the roof line and I couldn't believe it. That was, that was the project that catalyzed for me that like, I am doing this. Like Mm. I am starting a Yimby group because folks are coming out to oppose a project where there is no housing. So there's no (laughs) displacement. It's a vacant lot. It's not being used for anything. And it's in between the rail line literally the railroad tracks and a major uh, transportation corridor, major street. And I was like, if there's, you know, this is the place where you put housing. I mean, and they had, they had designed it really well to where, you know, it was a parking garage wrapped with apartments and the parking garage, you know, butted up against the rail line. So, you know, that was, the residents were kind of protected a little bit from, you know, directly the onslaught of the train going by. Um, It was a really thoughtful development um, and it's called, the company is Red Oak, and they're looking for investors. So if anyone is, it, is it happening, they're trying to fund it right now. Um, okay. Their units got you know shaved down. Um, of course. So I think um, I think they're having to build. Yeah. I, yeah, I mean, but it, it it was a great project, and for me, that was the project that made me say, you know, I have to fight this. Congressman Scott Peters at at the launch party, I think it was him, had a really great quote. He had a couple great quotes, but one of them. Um, was that there's no such thing as a historic parking lot like that. <laughs> <laughs> the historic laundromat? Oh, yeah. All right, I'm interrupting and getting you off the hook so you don't have to talk about a pending project. Ooh. <laughs> um, but the uh, Valco site is a very similar thing down in Cupertino, which has an average home value of $2.2 million. That's insane. That's where That's Apple's head average. Yeah, right. no, like, That's I know. freaking yeah. crazy. And they've done, like, no housing production. Oh. Um, and they are wanting there's like a whole group of people who are calling themselves better Cupertino and by that they mean distinctly worse Cupertino <laughs> uh, and, and they want to somehow figure out how to cool, like revive
revitalize this dead mall and be like, guys, guys, I swear to you, this kind of awful retail is definitely coming back. We're going to do hair crimping and we are going to have a Jamba Juice. <laughs> you get your ear like, pierced? Your ears are going to be so pierced in this mall. And like <laughs> so I have to say, I to pick up on that, I read the article, I can't remember what pub it was in, but where... Um, Darcy Paul makes the statement at his State of the City address that says, you know, Cupertino doesn't have a housing shortage. No, nuts. It was nuts. So I went on, uh, I think I just found it on Wikipedia, and I looked him up, okay? So Darcy Paul was born in Kansas. He went to Boston. Exactly. He went to Boston, went to Harvard for undergrad, then went to Harvard Law, and then he moved to Cupertino. You note that he didn't go back to Kansas, right? So he himself went to the place where the opportunity was. And now because he has his, we don't have a problem. They don't have a problem in his mind because he doesn't have a problem. You know, never mind all the other people who also are from Kansas who want to make it to one of the coasts. Um, and it's, it's the, you know, the tragedy of the commons. Everyone is, is, you know, doing what's good for them, you know, Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's a total cartel. I mean, it's like, you know, we put De Beers in charge of the diamond industry, mm-hmm. and lo and behold, De Beers creates an artificial shortage in diamonds. You put a lot of local control and local homeowners in charge of our housing supply, lo and behold, they restrict supply and drive up the value of their own home. And they justify it to themselves in a million different ways, but, but that's the fundamental result. Is, we we you, genuinely didn't... The government... I mean, it's just like with redlining. Like, I just... I, it makes me mad, but I believe like a lot of these homeowners don't even realize that's that they were pushed gonna, into a place where you know they don't even realize that they were being like funneled into a mindset for generations. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I still like to blame them. I think we can agree <laughs> that I'm happy to blame homeowners, but I also understand the more I learn about the history of you know sprawl and car culture and the oil and all that stuff, like there were you know like a dozen just horrible evil masterminds basically that created it all and now here we are i would i mean i was gonna i was gonna say you know i'm i i don't necessarily think for the average homeowner right well i'll just use myself as an example um you know i'm married to a teacher and we were renters and we did the number ran the numbers to decide if we were going to move out of california because we had just had a baby and money was tight i was staying home um and we decided that even moving to a cheaper state we wouldn't be able to save enough for retirement given that my husband was already vested. Mm-hmm. So we're like, okay, well, if we're going to stay here, then we should buy a house um, because, you know, that's what yeah. is financially responsible for people that, to do that have children. Um, so, you know, we, we bought into it and bought the house. And, you know, but when I was in that process, I wasn't thinking I'm doing this to, you know, keep other people out, right? I mean, I wasn't thinking, you know, I was thinking about what made – you know, into, what what was a responsible thing to do as a parent and, you know, as a as a worker? Well, um, we're, we're all forced to play in this game, whether mm-hmm. we agree with right. it or not. Right. Like, you know, that's like, it's not an accident that like that is the financially like best decision to make for, for a certain class of people. Right. Or that you, you even say you're saying responsible, which insinuates that if you are parents and have a kid and want to rent, that you are irresponsible and not that you are insinuating that, but that in and of itself. Right. That mindset. You, you buy, you buy into that. it. Right. right. I mean, it's, right. 
Like yeah. there's kids in New York who live whose parents rent like million dollar whatever's that don't even have a driver's license and somehow manage to be viable. Do people. fine, yeah. yeah. But there really are people who think that it's irresponsible to raise children in apartment buildings. Oh, yeah. Like that that yeah. Just with no car? Oh my god. How are you supposed to raise a kid yeah. on a bus? Oh, I got tweeted at by the mayor of a city I hadn't heard of before. Um, <laughs> Elitism. <laughs> well, he was like, you know, if you just build multifamily apartments, then you're going to, like, destabilize the, like, California dream of home ownership. And I was like, yes. you, like, he, like, couldn't even think that he just, like, forgot that condos existed. And I was like, you know, like, people can own multifamily, too, right? You, like, know that, right? And he was like, he didn't, he didn't answer. but i do think that like so when you create a system that creates this financial incentive right then you create people create logic that ends up reinforcing the things that are their financial incentive to think that way and they you know i don't how much of it is conscious how much of it is unconscious every once in a while it comes to the surface so brisbane's a good example where the city council is able to run the numbers and say if we built just the office and retail, we would make $7 million right. a year. Oh, yeah. If we built the mixed-use housing, we would only make $1 million a year. Because they're just like... Yeah, and that's like that's where the financial incentives just like pop out, you know? But right. like the little ways in which the financial incentives are just ever-present where like a group in my old neighborhood formed themselves the Protect Noe Valley's Charm Committee. Like those people the most important issue for them is protecting Noe's charm. Right. And that's that's a financial thing. The most important thing for them is not the homeless people because Noe Valley right. makes sure that the homeless people move along. And so, you know, that's what they felt like in their community the most pressing issue was. Um, I, I, I think that they could have looked a little further afield. Um, but past the end of their own nose. Right. <laughs> I feel like we need to add for some at the end of all these names, protect Noe Valley for some or yeah. better yeah. Cupertino right. for, for some. some. Yeah, totally. That's, That's those will so be great true. signs. We will, oh. we will start making those signs. Yeah. Thank you. Just you'll, write get, that in. You'll, you'll get work cited. I promise. Excellent. Thank you. 100%. I think the thing that is most frustrating for me is that there really are ways to make room that do not involve, you know, taking away something from someone else. I mean, you know, Fullerton is an example, you know, to just use it as another example, the same example I used last time. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we have this great downtown. We have, um, you know, a train station that's the most heavily used in in Orange County. We could put so much housing downtown. There's room. Yeah, there is room. And and it doesn't have to encroach, you know, we talk about on the hill, right, the people that live up on Mm -hmm. the hill. It doesn't, it's not going to encroach on them. I mean, want to encroach on that. Yeah, well, I mean, that's I, what I worry about I a little too. bit. Is that like we? I, I do think that Yimbies need to have this morality of like, who are we going? Like historically, when the like smart planners came around and they were like, guys, we're gonna have a housing shortage. Like, we should sort of build right. They went to the place of least resistance, and that was historically low income and right. minority neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. And like that means that we have like the entire 
what was the pro housing like little baby thing that was happening has historically targeted because it was low resistance places that are historically fucked over. Disenfranchised. Right. Yeah. Like the hill is the place that we need to encroach yeah. on. Yeah. Well, we just need to like but be like hill At least people. in our city. To, to your point. <laughs> I, 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 yeah, not, I'm not putting down. You're, you're totally right. There's a lot of room. To there build. is a lot Every of room. Every parking and then, lot. You know, and there's, yeah, the exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I loved your, yeah. a doubt. I loved your tweet. I think it was Laura's tweet. It was a video of, you know, the, the <laughs> intersection a, yeah, with like, really you know, three parking lots <laughs> and like one like low st- one story like warehouse. And it the caption was, you know, the world will end if more people live here. Right. And there was like nothing there. No foot traffic, no people, nothing but these derelict, you know. And I think, I, you know, I think that like default to kind of be like, well, we, we, we recently had a uh, mayor candidate come and speak to the San Francisco Yimby and talk about 820 SB 827 and he got and he looked at us and he's like well I mean I tell my constituents and no one's talking about putting a multi-family building in between two single family homes and we were like actually yeah no that's that's literally what we're what we're talking about and that was what was so crazy to him because you know there's a corridor two blocks away He's right. shocked and appalled face. Was it was awesome. Very I was funny. like, no, 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 sorry. Yeah, no, that's literally what we're, t- what yeah. we're talking about. <laughs> Turn the podcast into a vlog. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, it's, 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 it's we good to do have both. It. Yeah, we I have to do both. I agree. Like, and we can't both. let anybody off the hook. Yeah. I think, you know, again, I'm originally from the East Coast, so density doesn't scare me. Right. And I would, you know, I want my city mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Orange County in general to be more dense because it's a way to provide more housing and, and to do it in such a way that, it doesn't have to cost as much, and people can afford the rent. I mean, it's very, very straightforward. Um, and cities are cool. Cities They're are fun. great places. Yeah. yeah, great. You know, I mean, Irvine is you know very dense and and tall buildings, and people want to live there. You know, and it's in the middle of a suburban county, right? Mm-hmm. A county that conceives of itself as very suburban, yet people really want to be there. Um, so obviously, I mean, I think for us, the one thing I've taken away from just kind of watching like all the different EMB groups grow and and kind of push their agenda in different places. I think Yimby is going to look different in different places, right? I mean, there's going to be, you know, places like LA and San Francisco are, they have the, you know, critical mass of jobs, right? Like our city is never going to have those, that critical mass of jobs. And so, you know, to, to put more people in, in a suburban city, you know, an, an urban suburbia node, um, a node of urbanism in the middle of suburbia, we'll describe it that way. You know, that doesn't make sense. More people are going to want to be closer to the jobs, so, I mean, I do think it's going to take different forms in different places, but the theme is building more housing, welcoming new people to existing communities, and making room. And we can do that. We can do that everywhere, whether it's an urban place or a suburban place. We can do that. And that is what, um, that's what I'm fighting for. I totally agree. I, I, I want us, though, to make sure that we keep, like, a social justice mindset of, like, we are fighting for the future. Absolutely. And so how do we make sure that we, um, you know, create that sort of opportunity and long... I also, like, when you fight just... And this is also maybe San Francisco, some advice that we've gotten about, like, oh, well, why don't you just focus on the mega projects is the version of that. um, Because the mega projects take place in, like, former industrial stuff or, like, places where there's just nothing. And they're like, why don't you... You know, then we can get, you know... 5,000 units all at once and you know then we won't I mean that's you know in these big monster projects Mm -hmm. instead of fighting with the homeowners out on the west side and while I think that that's sort of good for like winning the next round 
like, I think that we need to be fighting for a permanent victory. We need to be saying, I don't want to be working on housing in 10 years because I want us to have created laws such that it's a self-perpetuating, that cities just grow. And they grow when they need to. They grow when the jobs make sense. And they thrive. And, like, we could sh- we just should change the laws and put these things on autopilot because, like, Yimbies when like a, a project takes place in a particular location and so the people who like don't like it are easily activated by the like negative effects that they feel in that very narrow area and the benefits of that project are diffuse in general mm-hmm. and so we're always going to have the uphill battle of organizing people who have a diffuse benefit to come out for specific things unless we change the way we make these decisions permanently so that like the growth can extend so that when it makes sense to like grow in some places that are suburban right now and densify those places that like we don't have to like have the new fight there. Right. So so part of why I wanted to start a democratic club specifically and not mm-hmm. just a Yimby mm-hmm. group um, is because I wanted to be the one to shape the Yimby narrative in San Diego as a progressive narrative. And I want to be talking about desegregating communities. And well, I don't necessarily have a proposal that I'm pushing at this moment to, you know, ban single family neighborhoods. We need to be having that conversation. Mm -hmm. And I think at least in San Diego, people need to start warming up to that. This is not a conversation that's happening now about how single-family neighborhoods are exclusionary and segregated. You know, by design. By design, exactly. That. So anyways, that. well, I don't know what we'll do about it, but, but we need to be talking about it and we need to be shaping that narrative as progressives. Um, in San Diego, being a Democrat is a progressive. Yeah, I was just <laughs> going to say that you speak to the Yimbys looking different, like saying that you made the Yimby Democratic Club to be progressive. Is in San Francisco. The like, opposite uh, case, yeah. 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 <laughs> no, I mean, it's interesting. I mean, like, but it goes, like, I think of myself as progressive, and, like, that makes the capital P progressives in San right. Francisco. Uh, like, they, like, I've seen tweets about us. They'll be like, don't get tricked by their very progressive language. And I'm like, <laughs> like, we have progressive language because we are progressive in our brains. Shucks. Like, I know that you disagree, but, like, I, whatever. One thing I'll chime in so again, Orange County being historically a very conservative place, we've and actually you must have totally different language. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We've gotten, you know, we have gotten a lot of support from people that are that are that are Republicans and they're pro growth. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not necessarily a, you know, a lot of the folks that show up to the meetings are are um, you know, liberals, young people, um, would conceive of themselves as, as Democrats and probably are part of the purpling of mm. Orange County, which is definitely happening. Um, <laughs> like my friend Brandon here. Um, but a lot of the, I mean, I, I think where I would get political support, I mean, you had a bunch of elected officials come out to your party. I I, I wish that would happen. I mean, I wish I could get electeds to, to buy in mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. publicly buy in. But there's a lot of people that they buy in. They just don't say it. Right. You know, mm-hmm. like they're pro growth and they're pro business and they they see how uh, businesses are just being, you know, stifled and stunted, you know, their ability to expand, their ability to right. find workers, um, you know, and they would love to see more housing. But, you know, that's not the popular that's not popular to say. Well, my quick lesson that I learned on Friday from hosting this party is 
apparently in certain circumstances, if you create the space where they know that they have constituents that are there oh, and that come. want that, yep. oh. they, they want that. They want that base to exist. Politicians love people clapping yeah. for them. When you can put a bunch of people in the room, like Laura always says, like if you create the parade, like the politician will jump in front. Oh, exactly. Sure. I did not think about that. Well, My yeah, party was a I mean, parade. I, I think one way, one way that we... Uh, um, thrive or that we're going in the right trajectory is because we are quote unquote bipartisan. You know? Yeah, it's like, that's very it, true. Where so we I, are... I am interested to see like, how did you, how did you make your, uh, your outreach and you chose, um, the people who are ready to jump in front of the parade. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, right. Yeah. Well, sure. yeah, no, I think, I mean, I think you're, but you're asking the right questions. Cause I think there's, it is, I go back and forth, right? There is a conservative but not conservative. There's a Republican, I guess, argument for housing, which is like growth and also like a private property rights argument that like personally I find very uncompelling, but, but I where, understand but is very compelling it, for, yeah. Yes. Right, right, right. I mean, yeah. it, it really is, it, it carries weight. I mean, yeah. you know, and, and my, you know, I'm, I'm okay with that. I mean, whatever, yeah. whatever gets you to the table and get, gets you on my bandwagon is fine. I mean, if this is a social justice issue for you, great. If this is a private property rights issue for you, great. I'm, I'm willing to do business with anybody who's willing to, you know, buy into the Yimby agenda and, and build more housing and make room for new people. How, how did you pick the politicians that showed up at that awesome party on <laughs> Friday night? Or did they pick you? Uh, well, the... So in the city of San Diego, um, we have nine council members. Four are Republicans, right? That, that's right. a thing here. Um, <laughs> five are Democrats. It's like seeing a Yeti in the <laughs> Republican. What? Exactly. And and so, well, really, I think just about all of them may agree with this in principle, or would not outright like pick their bases being opposing to the Yimby Party. So. It actually wasn't all that hard to talk to them. It was just a matter of did they actually want to show up or not, and apparently they did. But like, I think yeah, the issue of Republicans and Democrats, which we have in San Diego, Republicans are very pro-growth in San Diego, and and generally I don't worry about them making the wrong decision when there's a decision in front of them. Okay. Um, it's and the Democrats also usually make the right decision too. Um, I think that the, it's it's with the Democratic Party where we need to build that support for pro-growth and, and that this this is the progressive movement. And that goes back to why I wanted to be writing the narrative as, like, a Democrat is pro-homes. Right. Like, yeah, yeah. No, plain I, and simple. Because we're pro-people. Yeah, local issues, I think it's interesting how much local issues often don't track well onto the, like, national idea of left-right. Right. right. Um, and mm-hmm. so it's, it is, like, important. I don't know. I mean, I try to focus back on, like, whether you agree with Republicans or Democrats on issues, like, I think we should give each other the benefit of the doubt that, like, most people think that their ideology will reduce human misery. And so, what you know, I, I you know, I think that give, giving people that benefit of the doubt means that then on local issues, it's much easier to see, like, the consequence of this policy, this policy will reduce human misery. I don't really care what ideology you right. bring what to justify to that, right. but like it's very evident that the, the that this is a housing shortage, and so like some people are like, and therefore let's like upzone and build as much 
uh, social and low-income housing as we can. And I would say you have to, therefore, also allow the market rate stuff Absolutely. to be built. Right. Or you can say, we need to build upzone and build a shit ton of market rate stuff. And, like, maybe we should allow the social housing to go forward. You know, like, the you might come at it from two different ideological bents, which may make you focus more on the market rate or focus more on the subsidized affordable, depending on which ideological bent you're coming from. But both should allow for everything to be happening at once to reduce human misery. There was, there was still no... There isn't a housing platform, right, still, in the California Democratic... Oh, my God. California Democratic Party was pathetic. Yeah, no yeah. one talked about housing this weekend. And, I mean, I, I do think, though, that I'm excited. Like, this year, we have California Yimby. I mean, the five of us have gotten into a room and literally said the same words of the same things that we're dealing with, you know, maybe a little bit differently. But we have empathy for each other, right? And we want to coordinate, and we're, we want to collaborate. So, I mean, I'm cautiously optimistic Oh, I'm very optimistic. We'll have a platform. I, I mean, we absolutely need to. And, and I say that, I mean, I don't think the National Democratic Party has ever had I don't. Has, I, I'm saying that if I would like California to lead the way and finally have a housing platform as part of the Democratic Party message and endorsement. I, I don't see how we get... Well, and the Orange County people can work on the Republicans. Yeah. But, but, yeah. <laughs> we'll work the Marins yeah. of the world. Like, the Marins I of the no world. I got no ends. So, right. you know, you're going to have to fix that yeah. one. But the Marins <laughs> of the world, like, they need that. It kills me that they actually right. need that. They might not even realize it. But, like, when the state Democratic Party says this is a priority, like, there's a lot of people in Marin who think they've right. painted themselves blue who will just follow along like robots. Right. And that's fine with me. So let's do final thoughts. Um... I had a really great time in San Diego. I'll see you later. <laughs> <laughs> wow. You guys do have a lot of new housing. It's kind of fun. And um, Yeah, I noticed it. It's really great. Yeah. Um, my thoughts are that it is really reinvigorating to feel like there are people stepping up everywhere and who are um, not waiting for someone to parachute in and, like, you know, tell them how to do Yimbyism. They are like, you guys are so freaking awesome for just like being like, there's a cool idea out there. I'm going to now go form my airplane out of shoestring and gum. And I'm like, I did that too. That's so exciting <laughs> to be like, it's just really makes you feel like we're going to freaking do this thing. Oh, totally. Um, I am, I think still high from Friday, not like actually <laughs> high, but you know, from my fun. party, <laughs> right. You know, it's legal here. Um, because it was just so positive. There was just such a positive energy at the launch party on Friday. And not just to pat myself on the back, though I'm willing to do that. Like, I had so many people come up to me and say that this was, like, the most optimistic they've ever felt about housing. And, and that people were coming together. Everyone was in the same space. And, and you know, I, I truly feel like, you know, we're building a Yimby family. Um, and a network, and that's how I felt at the very first Yimby Town conference in June 2016. And so, anyways, I'm really optimistic. In San Diego, we're we're, we're making things happen. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I guess I'll just my closing thought will just kind of pick up on what we were saying about you know taking it with you know shoestring and gum. Um, it sounds corny, but you know if not if not, how does that quote go? If not when, if not now, when, and if not you, then who? Mm -hmm. um, and really being willing to to step out and step up. And I mean, when I started this a year ago, I struggled with a lot of self doubt. Like, 
you know, can I do this? Who am I? I'm, I'm not an important person. I'm not an elected official. I'm not wealthy. I don't have, you know, um, resources to throw at this. Um, but no one else was doing it, mm-hmm. right? And so that, because no one else was doing it, I was going to do it. And, you know, I would really like to put out a call to arms to people in Orange County that, you know, you have a housing shortage that is going to hurt your kids and your grandkids. And, um, you know, we need people that are willing to show up at meetings and, and make it take a stand for um, progress and the future and future generations. So join us. <laughs> <laughs> and then my final, my final thoughts would be, you know, I really embody this this movement um, as like the struggle, you know, I'm a recent college grad from Cal Poly Pomona. I studied urban planning and I'm seeing like these, the, the effects happen to me. You know, I still live with my parents. I have a, I have a good paying full-time job, but it's, it's far away. It's a, it's, it's an hour away, you mm-hmm. know, like there needs to be a sense of like regionalism. And that's why I um, am happy to support people for housing in Orange County because like, we we can't be in this like big suburban um, where you don't know where you're crossing from Fullerton to small placentia or to you know it, there's not these defining factors so we all need to play a part and read the meet those uh, arena goals <laughs> change thanks. the goals yeah, yes. thanks, uh, and then meet the new ones uh, okay. thanks right. everybody this was uh, really fun I'm glad we got to get together and thanks again to Andy Keats for setting up this very professional sounding yes. infill hey, I'm honored to have been part of the the, the first professional version <laughs> <laughs> three yeah, years in this is the most professional we've ever been hey man whatever works <laughs> yeah and it's in the morning so we're not drinking like usual yeah. so <laughs> All right, cool.